following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Just for the record, we got a sun in Phoenix, too. 52 to 46. <laughs> LeBron, I'm going to make a deal for you. You come to Phoenix, oh, you got Chris McCrane? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. This week, we're going to talk about Josh Jackson. We've seen Jackson have a hot 2018. And compared to how things were going at the beginning of the season, I think Josh Jackson's outlook is quite a bit better than it was back then. So we're going to compare Josh Jackson to some similar small forwards from recent years and go back a little bit too. And after that, we'll talk a little bit about what we've seen from the Suns since we've come back from the All-Star break. My name's Charlie Erling. I have David McGraw and Dab and Mitch Krumpetich with me. What's up, guys? You know, I've been so excited for this this podcast specifically, this episode. It's been in the works for quite a bit, and... You know, uh, I, I'm just really excited to do this. This might be the one I was looking forward to the most out of about two or three episodes this year so far. Or this year in general, whatever. Speaking of being so excited in general and this year, I need to give uh, shout outs to those who left iTunes reviews. So thank you for everyone who did that. And specifically to those who left uh, written comments and that this week includes ghost rider five four six eight three nine one parenthesis one but the name left on there is sierra larson which is much simpler so thank you for the shout out and shout out to you go on itunes leave us a five-star review and a shout out and you'll get a shout out just like that next week or whenever you do it we appreciate you a ton, Ghost Rider 8675309. Parenthesis one. <laughs> okay, so if you watch the Suns play and you watch the home broadcast with Eddie Johnson, you'll hear him compare Josh Jackson to Clyde the Glide Drexler nearly every night. And so we were thinking, who else plays like Josh Jackson from the past? Who else plays small forward? in a way that we see Jackson turning into as a pro throughout his career. And, like, just with Clyde Drexler, I I went back and I watched some tape. I refreshed some memories. Hadn't watched any Clyde film in quite a while. But those similarities are pretty apparent when you watch the two. I think Eddie hits this one on the nose. The way you, you call him Clyde the Glide, Jackson has that bouncy ability, too. And the way that those guys got buckets under the rim, too, is something that just, they look very similar. So I like where Eddie goes with that one, but David, this is your baby. We picked out quite a few guys. Who do you want to start with here? You know, I think that if we're going to start, we need to start with the original kind of comparisons coming out for Josh Jackson. So 
when he was getting ready to be drafted, they talked about his upside when, you know, heading up into this season. And the two main guys that it seemed like everyone wanted to throw out there were Jimmy Butler and Kawhi Leonard. So I think we need to start out with those guys since that's just what a lot of people are setting as the ceiling for Josh and just where he can be. And, you know, Kawhi and Jimmy Butler, both guys that started out a little slow in the league and really just continued to develop there. So Kawhi Leonard, his rookie season, didn't have his breakout really years until a couple years down the line. I'd say probably his breakout year was when he was able to, or really when he was guarding LeBron James in the finals and was able to win finals MVP. In his rookie season, we have, he played 64 games, started 39, played 24 minutes per game, averaged 7.9 points per game, had a tr- had true rebounds of 5.1, 1.6 offensive rebounds, 3.5 defensive rebounds, 1.1 assists per game, 1.3 steals, and 0.4 blocks. Well, if we want to look at Josh Jackson's numbers, 23.4 minutes per game, averaging 11.2 so far. Offensive offensive rebounds 1.2, defensive rebounds 3 for a total of 4.1. Assists, 1.2 per game. Steals, 0.8. Blocks, 0.4. And that you can really see the comparisons with the numbers there. Like that, There's about a rebound difference. The assists are right around there. Kawhi really didn't start playmaking as much, obviously, until much later. But, and we're kind of asking Josh to do that a lot more as it's hit 2018. But steal numbers favor Kawhi by about half a steal. And blocks are right about the same. But that point difference, of course, Kawhi was next to guys like Tim Duncan, Tony Parker. He was not asked to create, and he was very raw offensively coming in. Similar to Josh, but Josh kind of getting thrown into more of being asked to create, considering that we're a young team. We don't, we're just trying to develop guys, so Josh is going to have more points there. And uh, I, I think that, you know... Numbers-wise, they're compared pretty well, I would say. Uh, If we want to look at their field goal percentage, Josh is shooting 40.7 from the field. Kawhi shot 49. So obviously a big difference there. The argument is that he's able to take, or Kawhi was able to just not have to force shots as much due to playing alongside the guys that he was. And then three-point percentage, Kawhi averaged 37% from three. Josh is hitting at 26 right now, average. Um, of course, shot, Josh's shot has been improving. He had a lot of rough games, but it has come on strong these la- since 2018, it seems like. Yeah, it's a, it's a comparison that I know I have been telling people when, when non-Suns fans ask me, like, What's the deal with Josh Jackson? What? How would you compare him? And I just say his ceiling is Kawhi Leonard, especially when you look at this these uh, defensive numbers with .4 blocks. That's what Kawhi averaged in his rookie year, um, and then Kawhi had 1.3 steals. That was his average, and Josh is right at one, which that's fine too. So I just think seeing that that defensive end. Um, being similar to Kawhi, I think that's great. Um, and, I mean, just like you said, Kawhi was very raw offensively. 
relied on his defense to uh, really keep him going, and that's what Josh has done. But I see that he's progressing a lot quicker, I think, than a lot of people expected, quicker than I thought, um, with getting that shot improved. Um, you know, if you look, if you look at the way he shot since the first of the year, it's it's substantially different from the beginning of this season. So seeing that improvement is really good, but just knowing that he can rely on his defense to uh, to be consistent, I think, is another big similarity to Kawhi. So I like this comparison. Yeah, and one thing that really jumps off the page when we look at the comparison of all these guys here, uh, Josh Jackson attempts the most field goals out of I think everybody we're comparing here by a little bit. He's putting up 10.7 shots per game this season. And if you look down this list here, there's pretty much no rookie that we will compare him to that needs to put up that many shots for their team. So that does kind of skew things a little bit. Maybe it inflates or deflates his shooting numbers percentage-wise. Maybe it inflates his points a little more than it was expected to do his rookie season. I, I'm not too sure, but I really like the Kawhi comparison because that's who Josh Jackson compared himself to around the draft. So I'd love to see Josh turn into something like Kawhi. Yeah, and keep in mind that we're looking at a list we've compiled, and I'll just quickly go through the names. Um just so you know who we're talking about. And if we don't hit everyone, uh, if you want to, you can go just to basketball reference and look. So we're looking at all rookie seasons except for one exception. So we've got Jason Tatum, Josh Jackson, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler in his second season. Uh, so he's the only exception. Sean Marion, Scottie Pippen, Clyde Drexler, Kawhi Leonard, Andre Iguodala, Ron Artest, and Paul George. It, as you said, Josh has a lot more volume, and you you really compare that to Kawhi, who averaged 6.3 attempts and made 3.1. Josh is averaging 10.7. Of the guys on our list who are within even a point of that is Ron Artest, who averaged 10.5, and Jason Tatum right now, who's averaging 10. Um, we, we added Jason on here, of course, because that was a huge comparison with how similar their numbers were coming into the draft and like over their seasons in college as well as even in summer league their number they're just counting numbers were very similar so that's why he's on there even though these guys don't compare we just wanted to compare their stats over these uh, these first games so the you guys talked about how you really liked the Kawhi comparison I'm more of a fan of the Jimmy Butler comparison and I think that one might have more legs than the Kawhi one Jimmy is great and was able to develop kind of this offensive killer mentality. I have his first season up. No, we can, if we really feel like cherry picking, but Jimmy Butler during his second season, the 2012, 2013 season is 23 years old, which is a, which I think is one of the bigger differences with the ages on here is, you know, some of these guys really weren't able to do a whole lot these younger seasons. So you have to, take those with grains of salts but uh jimmy butler averaged 8.6 points per game in his second season had four rebounds in total 1.4 assists one steal 0.4 blocks attempted 6.2 shots per game 
hit 2.9, went 46% from the field, uh, 38% from three. He had really a huge increase on his three-point percentages between his first and second year. If we really want to look at the percentages from his first year, which they were they were just not nearly as good. He shot 40% and then 18% from three. So, like, he, he had a huge, huge jump between that freshman year and his second year. So, I, I think that while Josh might not have that same jump, it is possible for that to happen, and it it can happen. And Jimmy Butler, he came on strong, especially towards the end, and was able to really bump that up and continue. Like, being this guy that was drafted in the second round, he had this defensive first mindset and was able to really to develop that offensive game, which a lot of people didn't think would happen. Josh, of course, because of these guys like Jimmy Butler and Kawhi, who be able became more – Everyone, everyone saw what Josh could be, and I think that also helped him with getting drafted so high because, yes, the potential is there offensively, but also if, if a guy has a workable offense or can seem to have a workable offense but has sky-high defensive potential, he's going to get drafted, and I think you have Jimmy Butler and Kawhi to thank for some of these guys being able to be drafted so high. Yeah, you're definitely right. I do see Jackson and Butler just having a more similar style on really both ends of the court, too. So that's a good point. Yeah, Jimmy isn't known as like this knockdown three-point shooter. Uh, Kawhi's three-point percentages have gone way up over the years. but And Jimmy's have, too. But it's kind of this within-the-line shooting ability and playmaking that jimmy can do and has helped especially like minnesota coming into this year who have already surpassed their win total from last year and are 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 looking to be a playoff team even though jimmy's gone down for what is it four to six weeks or whatever it is and he's still he's a huge part of what minnesota is doing right now just a meniscus for butler right it wasn't a ACL, mcl just a meniscus okay that's good news. Yeah. So Clyde Drexler in his rookie season, which was 1983 through 84, he averaged 7.7 points. But you have to keep in mind, he did not take three-pointers hardly at all. He took two three-pointers that whole season. So that's going to skew things a little bit. Um, but he was able to add that later on in his career. And Josh Jackson already has a bit of a three-point shooting ability. So that's pretty cool. Uh, So 7.7 points per game for Clyde, along with 2.9 rebounds, um, which breaks down to 1.4 offensive and 1.5 defensive rebounds. And then 1.9 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.4 blocks. When we look at Josh Jackson really quick on that, 0.8 steals per game and 0.4 blocks per game. Um, So I'm liking this comparison. Josh is looking pretty good when we compare him to Clyde's rookie season. Yeah, I agree too. And I like to think of when I compare the two, uh, Josh definitely going to have more potential as a defender. I think he'll be a better defender than Clyde was and much better hair. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, like, 
the the good thing about Clyde is that the era that he was in was so much less reliant on the three point line that you look through his percentages just like through his career or even just attempts in general like throughout like averages per game so he average he took so few threes like his rookie year like basketball reference just has it zeroed out then in 84 to 85 it went to 0. 0.5 0. 0.8 0. 0.6 0. 0.6 1.3 like he didn't really start averaging more than four he took four once with portland 91 and 92 and then started averaging more when he got traded to houston really so like he really just never averaged that many three-pointers but he he slowly did add it in it's going to be a lot more make or break for jack for josh um to start out early and start hitting those a little bit more often just because of the era that we're in um it will take time of course though because that's how that works <laughs> and i think if we want to compare volume shooters clyde would be a good one average 16.3 shots per game in his career and then jackson with just uh what is it 10.7 this season so i mean jackson is putting up a lot of shots but it could be more yeah and you know um if he gets just continued more playing time he's hit he's hitting about 23.4 he's hit uh, about almost seven more than Clyde but uh like maybe either that volume stays the same or maybe just as he continues to get more confident that bumps up a little bit more he just can't tell right now to we don't know how these last like 23 games are gonna go so Sean Marion rookie year 99 to 2000 during the season averaged right at 10.2 points per game so just over that double digit threshold brought down 6.5 rebounds 1.4 assists 0.7 seals one block his shooting i think is where you know you you see things like he took nine shots a game hit 47 percent from the field and really just how far the three-point percentage has gone again uh, hit 18% of his three-pointers, uh, 0.1 attempts per game, point f- or 0.4 attempts per game, 0.1 make per game. Just, it, it's tough with these three-pointers because, you know, Marion, I love the idea of his comparison. I love the idea of the Clyde comparison. The era that we're in makes it to where, like, you know, if Josh Jackson's hitting 18% of his threes or something like that, that's rough, and it's going to be a real pain we we hope that you know it gets better and obviously he's not hitting eight, he's not shooting 18 percent from three but uh you've got to hope that that progresses more throughout his career more a la to how Clyde kind of became this volume shooter and was able to hit more threes um Marion did too and that was kind of this weird the as he started to get into the small ball four instead of the three, uh, which I think really changed a lot how you can look at Sean Marion's stats as he went on compared to just his rookie season. There just seems like a ton of obvious comparisons when you look at Jackson and Marion. It's might have a lot to do with they're both sons, obviously, but just watching him, there's so many things like the hitch and the jumper, the athleticism, that second jump ability. I There's just so much to like. And when you do look at the stats here, 
the steals, point seven for Marion, point eight for Jackson. The assists, one point four for Marion, one point two for Jackson. Uh, Marion's got him in the rebounds though, and I think that's. I think Marion was just. Uh, He's just maybe a monster a more, rebounder. A monster rebounder, a little more physically ready for that type of thing in this rookie year. So yeah. I mean, like you look at Marion's numbers uh, all time as a son. He has him and Alvin Adams are the top two guys for rebounding in every rebounding statistic for the Suns. Like Marion was a fantastic rebounder, and I think that people kind of almost forget that. Yeah, I mean, before the games, they always show, like, the stats for the all-time leaders uh, in each category. And whenever I see Marion uh, as the number two rebounder in Suns history, I'm always surprised. I shouldn't be at this point, but I'm like, oh, yeah, Sean Marion is our number two all-time rebounder on this team. So, yeah, it's – I mean, I guess you can compare it to Josh Jackson, but, like, Marion was just something different on the boards. I think you take the rebounding away, and you've got a really solid comparison with Marion. Exactly. Exactly. That one might be my favorite. But You're a little biased. <laughs> I'm a little biased. You're right. Okay. So I had one. I just thought of this one recently. And it was more of kind of a maybe a personality and play style type thing that originally brought me to this. But when I when I put the stats next to each other, they looked somewhat similar. And that's Ron Artest. Uh, what else? Panda World friend. Peace. Panda Meta Friend. Pe- pan- friend of the Panda. Something like that. <laughs> panda panda friend. friend. I thought it was, was Panda it. Friend. Okay, that was what he played friend. in I China. Like that. Okay. Yeah. So, you look at the numbers, I, I, I see a lot of similarities. Um, Artest put up about eight more minutes per game in his rookie season than Jackson. But there they are, both with about ten and a half field goal attempts per game. And then the exact same field goal percentage of 40.7. Three-pointer-wise, Artest shot 31%. His rookie season, Jackson right now at 26.7, and we've seen that get a little bit of a boost lately. And the defense thing is what makes me compare the two guys, though, because I think Josh Jackson can be that guy that can get under your skin playing that tight defense and just just giving you a rough day. And that's what Ron Artest, Meta World Peace, whatever you want to call him, that's what he was all about. And maybe I just want Josh Jackson to get a, a bit of an attitude like, that uh just come into his own and maybe be a piece that on a team like Ron Artest was for so many years I'd like that yeah you look at Ron Artest and you look down the counting stats I mean their true rebounds are almost exactly the same um 4.3 and 4.1 Artest had the 4.3 um their offensive rebounds are right around the same Josh is 1.2 uh Artest is 0.9 the assist is like I didn't had no idea I I have no idea I had no idea that Ron Artest had almost three assists his rookie season. That kind of blows my mind, and you see those steals, and you kind of wish that Josh could jump up there. I think that since 2018, 
it's probably a lot more similar similar to the three-point shooting i think since um 2018 he's shooting right around 30 percent from three josh's which is almost right in line with um our tests rookie year three-point shooting but uh i i really like that comparison um i hadn't even thought about that when we had talked about some of the comparisons to throw out here that that's that's really solid and uh i i kind of am kicking myself for not thinking about that to begin with what would we call the phoenix version of uh malice in the palace uh, what rhymes with stick <laughs> <laughs> lick in the stick well no oh no, that's we good can't do that one yeah the lick yeah the lick in the stick it's when uh mark the lick Morris- at the stick yeah, it's the one Markeith Morris choked out Archie Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was something else Good that, was a, lot, Good that was a rhyme, but we can't say it on the show. <laughs> well, something we can say on the show, I want to take a look at a comparison that's recent, and that's Jalen Brown. So people praise Jalen Brown for having a great rookie season. And personally, I think Jalen Brown's a great guy. And I like him as a player, but let's take a look at the numbers. So Jalen Brown averaged 6.6 points per game in his rookie season. Josh Jackson almost doubles that. Interesting. Hmm. Wonder why he's not getting the uh, national praise. Uh, True rebounding. uh, Jalen Brown averaged 2.8 rebounds per game while Josh Jackson at 4.1. That's a little bit understandable because... Uh, Brown plays the two rather than the three, so fine. I'll give that one a pass. But speaking of passes, 0.8 assists per game for Jalen Brown. Well, Jackson is at 1.2, and if you want to make this argument, Jalen Brown had a much better team around him in uh, Boston, so that number should be higher, but it's not. Uh, Defensively, steals were at 0.4 per game for Jalen Brown as compared to Josh's doubled 0.8. So how's that? And then uh, blocks, we've got the same deal. Take Jalen Brown's 0.2 and double that for 0.4. Ooh, I like the way that looks. So uh, yeah, just keep in mind, we've got some guys who are getting national attention for being so great when really... What's the deal? Josh Jackson is doing way better than that, but everyone's like, oh, he's a bust. When was the last time you heard Jalen Brown called a bust? Probably never. I'm just hoping Josh Jackson has a, a, an offseason like Jalen Brown did this year and comes back and improves that much. That'd yeah, be that'd be great. That'd be amazing. As much as I like talking smack about the Celtics. you know. So I, I really enjoyed the uh, investigative journalism almost – like crack journalism or whatever there mitch i really enjoyed that um one thing to note just kind of about like the shooting numbers especially josh takes or is taking almost double the attempts that jalen brown did his rookie year and playing about seven minutes more per game um you if you really want to look at like the per 36 numbers um it's 13.8 13.8 Jalen Brown average to 17.2 for Josh. And then, uh, again, Josh, I'm is not better. saying Josh isn't better <laughs> at all. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, you, you look at those kind of things and, uh, like you, you can see these numbers kind of start to even out. I honestly, I felt like Jalen Brown had way more of an impressive rookie season 
and that is kind of just some of that uh, Boston media attention. Even looking at this year, I thought that Jalen – there was a stretch where I thought that Jalen Brown was, like, averaging over 20 a game and that Jason Tatum was averaging, like, almost 20 a game. And then you look at the numbers and uh, they're not. Jalen Brown is averaging 16, which is really good and a good jump, almost almost playing, like, double the minutes. But uh, And then Jason Tatum is averaging, like, 13. So you, you would think that with some of the media attention around some of these guys – uh, they were shooting way better. Of course, that's not to say that Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum aren't playing really well this season. But, uh, you know, I liked looking at bringing up both Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram because of kind of the narrative both of their rookie seasons. Brandon Ingram was looked at as a bust and, like, would never really amount to anything. That really changed around this year so far where people were saying – now that you know he's playing really well and kind of you know everyone's saying that uh Jalen Brown was looked so much better and that he maybe should have been the number two pick when you know look at the numbers Brandon Ingram rookie year 40 percent from the field three or 8.7 attempts played 10 minutes more than Jalen Brown at 28 instead of 17 averaged 9.4 points per game had four rebounds, 2.1 assists, 0.6 steals, 0.5 blocks. Uh, he is on this list because of the jump that he made. So you look at the percentages for Brandon Ingram, 40.2% from the field, 294 from three. And then you look at this year so far, which is um, his percentages jumped to 38% from three. And um, hold on one second. His percentages, yeah, his percentages jumped to 38.5% from three and 46 from the field. Um, and that kind of just adds into this uh, confidence level that the second-year guys are able to start to get and the fact that uh, some of them are able to get into more of the swing of the game. And I think that that's why these two guys are really thrown onto this list, not as a these guys play similarly, but just as a, look, these are their numbers the rookie year you you can think of the narrative that both these guys had both the rookie years and now these second years and just how well they're playing and why you should maybe either slow your roll and maybe not of course throwing these guys in originally was when josh was getting a lot more hate i'm gonna say when he was people were calling him a bust a month into the season and uh you know he's not getting that as much now people are talking about you know this great young core of booker and jackson and that's a lot nicer, but just think about narratives, and that's why I threw these two guys in. Right, and I've I've said this before, but how much would you pay to know how well Josh Jackson would be playing on the Celtics right now in place of Jason Tatum? And then how well would Jason Tatum be playing had Gordon Hayward not got injured? And then... Would Josh Jackson be better off the bench in that role than Tatum on the Celtics right now? And vice versa. How would Tatum be doing on the Suns right now? Like, it'd be so great to know all that. <laughs> Bad. I, Tatum would not be playing well. With I mean, us. like, and, th- and that <laughs> was the conversation last year is uh, with the Brandon Ingram and Jalen Brown thing. That's why I put these guys on there was that who were like, oh, man, Jalen Brown, like, he's had such a better year, blah, 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 blah. He, I, I, would have bet 
huge amounts of money if I could have because this is obviously a hypothetical, but if you were to switch Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram on their teams, Brandon Ingram would have looked so much better than I think Brown would did as a Celtic last year. Yeah, now we just have to wait for a few years and then come back to this, and then we'll actually know. Exactly. So, yep. So, uh, yeah. prepare for this on uh, February 26th of 2021. The callback episode. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm going to throw out one of my favorite comparisons here, and a guy that I think that Josh has way more of a possibility of being, um, which this is not like a knock or anything, because... Uh, I really like this dude in Philadelphia when he played. Um, you know, a little questionable in Denver and Golden State, but uh, just how he played, his style of play, I think is a really good comparison for Josh. And that's Andre Iguodala. Uh, came in, played all 82 games his rookie season, so we get a really good set of numbers for him. Averaged for his field goal percentage, 49% from the field on 6.7 attempts, shot 33% from three, uh, averaged nine points, brought down 5.7 rebounds, had three assists, 1.7 steals, 0.6 blocks. So Iguodala's numbers jump out, I think, uh, quite a bit more. And, you know, Iggy is a guy that was looked at as a guy who could have been a superstar, but just never was quite able to put up or get to that level, even though he's had a really solid career and really has reinvented himself almost as this sixth man style of role. He was huge in the Warriors death lineup style things and probably should have been starting and in place of Harrison Barnes, but was so important to this bench unit and played, you know, played shooting guard, played small forward, kind of jumped in between the two. I think that's where Josh, the comparison can, work really well and obviously Iggy shot just way better I will say that Iggy was a year older coming in so that might have helped him when it came to that shooting and you can even say that if you know for Clyde or something like that but um Iggy a, a forward that can play make can kind of do a little bit of everything a Swiss Army knife kind of guy I really like the comparison and even though, you know, you hope that Josh has a closer or a higher ceiling than that, I think that that's not a terrible benchmark to pull out. No, I think if Josh Jackson has Iggy in his sights is what he wants to do over his career, turn into that sort of player, I think that's a that would be a great destination. And hopefully he does be, like you said, I hope he surpasses that for sure, but... Another thing is, yeah, Iggy was a year older in his rookie year, and he played and started yep. every game for them, about 33 minutes per game. And that's just something Jackson didn't get to see. And if you look back to the beginning of the year with Earl Watson, we were starting Josh Jackson at the four, fresh out of college where he never saw any competition like it NBA power forward probably yeah, his third season he's going up against Blake Safe Griffin to say that or his third game he's going up against Blake Griffin like. right that, that's unheard of it just it didn't make much sense to see that happen but that's what Josh Jackson got thrown into and maybe that was that had something to do with his slow start or maybe added to the slow start but 
I, yeah, Iggy is a great comparison and something I really hope to see out of Jackson. Yeah, and like you just you look at the games and like you know Iggy has had some issues at the free throw line, especially as of late. Not as much uh, like earlier as much in his career, but he had that. He doesn't have a, hick, a hitch in his shot, but he kind of does have this funky jump shot where he shoots. He kind of shoots it really high as it's a really high arching shot, and you know just the build that josh could be i think is way more similar to an igadala where like you know you he can get like that muscle on there he's not going to be like ridiculously thick or anything but kind of this kind of more lean guy that can go out there and be a lockdown defender can can take pressure off of a main ball handler and you know athleticism athleticism for days Absolutely. Okay, so the one other comparison I want to look at here is another old school one, and that's Scotty Pippen. Scotty averaged 7.9 points per game, along with 3.8 rebounds, with most of that coming on defense, 2.3 defensive, 1.5 offensive rebounds, along with 2.1 assists, 1.2 steals, and 0.7 blocks. So we're seeing... Um, some pretty similar defensive numbers, which I like. Ah, dang it. I looked at Jalen Brown again. Or, not Jalen Brown. I looked at Jason Tatum again. Ah, sorry, this is just an off one for me. Um, I'm going to pick up at the... Where do I want to go? Okay. So we're seeing some pretty similar similar numbers when it comes to rebounding which is nice um again we've got josh jackson scoring a little bit more but taking more shots so keep that in in uh in mind when we're looking at this uh but you know overall pretty similar numbers uh you know everything was very different the times were different um back when scotty pippen was playing but it's just another name that's nice to be able to throw out there when we're looking at these comparisons you know i don't care to go any more into it than this but I just want to want Josh Jackson to be Devin Booker's Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan that's what I that's all I want be a Scotty, be his Marion be his whatever I'm good with it if it happens <laughs> that would be great but yeah no uh the Scotty comparison uh you know just looking at some of the numbers and the type of player Pippen was especially his early seasons uh, I think that's pretty solid. Uh, Pip, Pippen, it took him a little bit for him to really become like this uh, number two guy to Jordan that he became. And, uh, you know, this this playmaking forward that can kind of do a little bit of everything, can be this hard-nosed defender. And, uh, I, you know, I, I really like being a, or trying to find the comparisons with that uh, with Josh and trying to stack him up. And of course, like, you know, everything can go bad and everything can be good. But I think if there's one thing with Josh is that it seems like he does have that work ethic and that, that normally is your big sign of when things might be looking bad, but Josh with the work work ethic and how he has responded to adversity so far, I think that you, you have to take those things and, quantify them for their good for sure in his early career right on good stuff should we move it on and talk about 
what we've seen since we've come back from the All-Star break. And I think the one of the first things I want to point out is we added Shaquille Harrison to a 10-day contract, and since we've brought him on the roster, Tyler Eulis hasn't seen the court. So let's start off with a little bit about Harrison. And at Summer League this year, the three of us love Shaquille Harrison, and we all were definitely on the Mike James hate train coming out of Summer League. And it seems like it took too long for us to bring Shaq up to the Suns with everything we've seen happening this year. And in his first couple games, he hasn't been scoring many points, but we've seen him play great defense. We've seen him move the ball, make some heady decisions, and he's six foot three, six foot four. He can match up on guys. So I, I'm I'm thrilled with the ten day acquisition of Shaquille Harrison. I'm happy with it. He's our first D League guy who's not trying to do too much. So sign him to another ten day as soon as this one expires, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you know, um I, I will take a guy that is looking to pass and play defense from a point guard position, especially just with the roster that we have. Um, you know, I, I'm just – I think it's kind of funny. Like, you, you look at it, and it seemed like we couldn't get a guy that was over six foot to play point guard for, like, the entire season. And then we get Alfred Payton, and it's like, all right, well, it's time to bring in another guy that's, like, six three, six four, and play plays point guard. Like, yeah, let's keep the continuity, like – Okay, so were we just bringing these short guys in to keep the continuity with Tyler Eulis? Like, maybe we should have thought that one through a little bit more. Like, maybe we should have just been like, oh, hey, big body, we need one of those because our starting point guard in Tyler Eulis is five foot three. <laughs> well, speaking of Eulis, he's been riding the bench. Do you think it has anything to do with maybe a lingering injury? Or do you think he's just getting outplayed by these guys at this point? He's getting outplayed. Yeah, I mean, they're not saying anything on the injury report either. The only thing that was on there uh, in our most recent game was uh, Tyson Chandler's <laughs> neck spasms. So, uh, yeah, I think Euless is getting outplayed. And when you have a D-League guy who just gets called up and plays better than you, that's a bad sign. Yeah, I just can't imagine in practice when it's uh, guys now – Alfred Payton and Shaquille Harrison, both 6'3", 6'4", and great athletes. How do they let Tyler Eulis get anything off in practice? You know, I, I think that might be the I, thing. I think that might be the thing. You, you think if, like, maybe you have practice or something, or you see these guys, like, you have an A team and a B team, maybe, and when you have a guy like Mike James or Josh Gray, you're like, oh, Tyler Eulis doesn't look that bad, because... Neither of those other guys could play defense, and all they did was chuck shots. So Tyler Ulysses' defense may have looked even better. Then you bring in Alfred Payton, it's like, oh, oh no, oh, that's like an, there's almost a foot difference. It feels like, obviously not a foot difference, but might as well be. And like <laughs> Alfred Payton might have made Ulysses look so bad where they're like, all right, yeah, no, uh, let's let's bring someone in that can play defense, please. And, okay. and I think. I mean, we're talking about Alfred Payton here. I, I love the guy. I think we need to sign him. Alfred Payton's great. Like, we need to sign him long term. But it's also Alfred Payton. 
Like, right. if Alfred Payton is making you look that bad, you've got a lot to work on. <laughs> <laughs> so, when we're talking about Payton here, I like the chemistry I see between him and Booker. We've seen three games now with the pair, and we're not missing out with Eulis anymore. I, like, I know Booker and Eulis are friends, but is is that... Is that going to be a real deciding factor moving forward? Are we going to need to leave a roster spot open for Eulis to sit at the end of the bench? I, I really hope not, but because the way that Booker and Peyton play together, Booker knows he's going to be getting more open shots thanks to Peyton than Eulis. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's a trade-off. Booker wants to win. He's voiced that he wants to win. Tyler Eulis, he's uh, Booker's also voiced that Tyler Eulis is his best friend. You have to pick one. Like Tyler Eulis and winning do not go together. So do you want to win or do you want to play with Tyler Eulis? Pick one. Here's another thing in the same vein. Do you want to shoot a bucket or do you want to pass everything off? Dragon Bender the other night against the Clippers absolutely wide open layup right underneath the hoop just hand delivered to him and he dishes it out to Marquise Chris for a three and there's been so many things similar to this this season that but they never none of them quite looked as bad as this one we were just getting torched by the Clippers in the first quarter they went they started the game 19-0 on us I think it was 20 something to 4 or 5 at this point and like Bender didn't want to shoot the ball and it was nearly infuriating I know Bender's a great passer and playmaker and he likes setting up his teammates but when you're getting spanked like that you need a bucket to get the momentum going or just something just a little something and the way he passed that out made me a little worried it's getting me worried people started booing and I didn't boo, but I didn't get mad at the people who were booing. Because usually I would. But that was bad. That was really bad. And, I mean, usually you're talking about the opposite problem. Like, oh, this guy's shooting too much. This guy's... Like, the guys that we want shooting won't shoot. And then we have Josh Gray, when he comes in, shooting 16 times against the Spurs. Like, this is such a weird problem. Yeah, I... I mean, like, Bender has had some confidence issues. I don't think that that's, like, anything surprising. And he's had to, like, Booker's had to get on him about, like, trying to shoot more. And, like, it's really frustrating. I don't know, like, if he had, like, just footsteps in his head or, like, what was going on. But, like, he he has to he has to learn that, like, the smart play isn't passing out always. And I think that like, that might be an issue with him is that like, he's looking to pass because he thinks that's, he thinks that's the smart play instead of just trying to be like a little bit more assertive. And like, he has had issues being assertive. I don't think that's something to get nervous about. Um, I think that he's just got to work on it. And like, look, it's, it's great to want to pass, but like he, he has, he just has to work on this. Like there is no ifs, ands or buts about it. So on the opposite end of the spectrum, we have Marquise Chris, who, who's not bashful. 
he lets his feelings be known and we can tell exactly what's going on in his world. And since we've come back for the break, this is what we were hoping to see, but we wanted to see Chris get his chances. And he's been getting them, but he still isn't taking advantage of them. He's been making some stupid fouls. There's just been a lot of things about Chris's game that has been bugging all the fans. And, I mean, it's just so frustrating with him and Bender both taken in the same draft class and both equally bad for different reasons this season. And, you know, we hope to see some some progression over the last offseason coming into this one. And, I mean, we've seen strides from Bender, but it, it seems like Chris has almost regressed from then. So I'm worried about what's going to happen with Marquise Chris. If, if there's a trade where we, we're trying to move up in the draft or we're trying to land a bigger name and we're trading a couple picks and Marquise Chris is a name that gets tossed in there, I wouldn't be surprised if we said you can have him. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something we have been saying since Summer League. And Booker said this uh, in, in an interview at Summer League. This is way back now, but Marquise Chris takes way too many threes. Booker said that at Summer League. He's like, I want to see Marquise not take threes. He Like, I don't know what happened. He's back to the same thing where he just takes three after three after three. He's hardly making any of them. It's so frustrating. I mean, when you watch him play, he is just camping in the corner behind the three-point line. Like, he complains about not getting enough touches. Well, I wouldn't pass to you there either. Like... Oh, it's it's very frustrating. It, oh, it does look like, especially during the Blazers game. I mean, he got subbed into the game um, as a defense option or something. I don't know. And there were definitely more than one or two times where he was at the three point line. He's calling for the ball, and he kind of just gets looked off by either Booker or Jackson. And uh, that's saying something when you're open and you're just getting looked off because the two playmakers out on the floor are just like, no, like we know what's going to happen. You're just going to chuck it up because you think that you're open and like, you're just going to brick it. Like that's just going to happen. No, we need to look for a better shot. Well, it, it is frustrating for a guy in Chris's position who really can't stretch the floor when we're not running the P and R through him. Like he's not even setting on ball screens anymore. It seems like it seems like he's always just tucked away in the corner. But then he's got to take a lesson from Josh Jackson and TJ Warren, and that's when you got to cut. When you're out in the corner, spreading the floor, that's that's how you get the ball. That's how you earn it. Or, hey, go grab an offensive rebound. I'd love to see that too. Right, and right as you say that, my initial reaction is Marquise Chris cutting? What? Like, I can't even imagine that. I can't picture what that would look like in my head. Same with offensive rebounding. Like, I can't imagine him going up and giving effort on the offensive glass and that's bad I like Marquise Chris I want to like him more but he's not given us much to work with yeah it's it's just rough like it's unfortunate but like shout out to one guy that is trying to get those offensive rebounds and has a new accessory choice and Alex Len I like Len with the armband that's all I have to say yeah 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 that's been good snazzy okay boys i think that that's gonna 
do it for that. Let's get to those non-sports plugs. It's time for David's Comic Book Corner, Mitch's Face Melting Minute, and then I'll come up with something random as always. So, David, how about you start us off? I don't really have anything. <laughs> dope. That's dope. <laughs> um, like, I have a ridiculous one, so that makes me feel better. I did finally see uh, Blade Runner 2049, and that movie's baller and like really good but like that's all i have to say about that like it's actually good and the original blade runner isn't really that good so there's that but like i don't really feel like talking about it because i almost forgot that i saw it (laughs) what a plot this might be your best yet that was good i don't even care watch it or not blade runner isn't isn't that like in the olympics I thought that was speed skating. Oh, maybe that's what I watched. Maybe I just watched the Winter Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> That'd make more sense, I guess. Okay, so mine is weird. I I used to watch a lot of Twitch streaming. And then I, I kind of quit for a long time. And I don't know how, this, how I even came on to this, but it's Dr. Disrespect. He's the face of Twitch, and he is hilarious. Uh, he streams, like, uh, the Battle Royale games right now, like Fortnite and Player Unknown's Battleground. So this guy is, like, he's a, he, I don't even know, I don't even know the backstory, but he's a just a giant man, and he's cocky. He has a black mullet wig, some shades, and a great mustache, and he just talks smack the whole time, and he's very good at the games he plays, which is apparent, and, uh... I I just got into watching one of his streams one day and I really enjoyed it. He cracked me up, so just some good some good humor there and I I don't know if you're into that first person shooter business. I mean he's pretty good, so give him a look. Doctor Disrespect. He's had that like persona for quite a bit. And like I know he just came back. He had some like personal stuff and stopped streaming for a bit and like he's back and I, I, I get the I understand why a lot of people like him and I think you do now too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to stick with something that is right in my wheelhouse. Um, for for this week, I'm going to plug the 2017 album Misery Sermon by Slaughter to Prevail. Super duper heavy, deathcore, um, very dark. If you like, I mean, Thy Art is Murder, but possibly heavier, like this is good stuff. Uh, my favorite tracks are Misery Sermon and Born to Die. Uh, the whole thing is just, like, brutal. I think that's the best way to describe it. Brutal with two zeros. So check out Misery Sermon by, by Slaughter to Prevail. Have you ever listened to Misery Sermon on your way to Mass, Mitch? Um, no, because I haven't, I haven't been listening to it for long enough. But, right. but I... That could happen in the near future. All right. Let me know how that goes when it happens. Thank you guys for tuning in. This is the Always Sunny in Phoenix podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Sunny in PHX pod, right? Yeah. Nailed it. (laughs) All right. Thanks for tuning in. Have a good week. Go Suns. Yeah.